When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today as Jeff is filming me doing this intro, probably putting it up on Instagram to embarrass me. (laughs) Uh, It's just going to be the two of us today. And uh, it's something that we've talked a lot about throughout this entire process that we've been doing this podcast two and a half some odd years coming on three years over 160 some odd episodes um, and that's adversity and adversity is something that we feel like makes you stronger uh, adversity is something that uh, I think we've talked about with every single one of our guests and, and how it's a part of the process of, of becoming better and, and growing and so Jeff and I are going to kind of bear our souls here today and talk about some of the tough stuff that we've been through and discuss and go through how we kind of got through some of that tough stuff to, to make us who we are today so uh, before we do get into that conversation though let's bring on the talent of the podcast he's got his give more be more stuff on jeffrey lavecchio vex what's up what's up man? uh happy it's friday long week long week for the for the one young for the kid the man the myth the legend uh <laughs> moved into my i started in the gym with my college group at 6 10 a.m every day and uh yesterday had them had the junior guys midget guys had the pro guys and then moved all day and night, went to bed at 12, woke up at five for my six o'clock group again. Now I'm puppy sitting four dogs. It never ends. Tomorrow, we got Sean Muncy, who's been on the podcast, coming. He, dude, he's given my, my kids uh, financial talks every other week here in the summer, teaching them, you know, what investing is, what, you know, like little things, what a bond is versus what a stock is, what this is, what that is, teaching them stuff, just like helping them get information. Tomorrow, we have one of my clients, badass uh, friend of mine named Jillian Tedescu, who owns a meal prep company called Fit Flavors. So she's going to come in and talk about entrepreneurship and what that looks like what it means, you know, the ups and downs, you know, how is that different from, you know, working for someone else, which you used to do. Um, so just a lot of cool stuff going on, but it's kind of hectic right now. If you hear dogs barking, it's cause I'm babysitting four dogs. Colleen's out of town. My ex left me your dog. Josie zip your mouth. So it's kind of a shit show in the animal <laughs> house right now, but we're making it work, bro. Let's go. <laughs> Oh, I like it. The best part is like, here's, here's this guy. He's all tatted up. You know, he's got a tooth missing cause he, he lost it in, in hockey and he's babysitting four dogs and three of the four are, uh, probably weigh a combined 16 pounds, little tiny little guys and girls. <laughs> so <laughs> 
it's hilarious, but I love them all. I love dogs. Yeah. But Hey man, I'm, I'm super excited for this episode. I mean, we, we talked a few days ago about, you know, what we wanted to do this week. And uh, I said, you know, I think it'd be pretty cool if we talked about three or four of the hardest times we went through in our hockey career. And right away, obviously you being, you were like, yes, cause you knew that was going to help people. Um, you know, like we always talk about successes in a straight line and you're better from going through those tough times. Like we talk about on the podcast all the time. Um, so hopefully our trials and tribulations and how we overcame them, got through them, um, will help parents, coaches, and players to, uh, help themselves and help their, their players, male or female to, um, you know, navigate those waters that they're inevitably going to hit. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Let's, let's get into it. And, uh, first let's, uh, thank all the people who've supported us, uh, with this podcast. And that is something we're going to talk about a lot on this podcast is the support we've gotten from people to kind of help us get through a lot of these tough times. So we want to thank gel sticks, our title sponsor. They've been with us every step of the way. Go to G E L S T X.com for your weighted training sticks. Use the coupon code think tank one word to get a discount. On those weighted training sticks, thank you to Train Heroic, Jeff's training app. Look for Ripped Hockey, R-I-P-T, and you can go train with me, with Vex, and uh, a lot of other awesome programs uh, with that if you do want to train with him uh, from afar. And thank you to IceHockeySystems.com. They have been awesome. We have partnered with them with an association platform that gives you everything you need from a coaching perspective, from a parent perspective, and from a player perspective to make your organization better from the top down. And so go to icehockeysystems.com, check out the associations tab and, uh, and check it out. You get a lot of great drills. You get our parent guidebook through the hockey think tank, get a drill drawing software. So awesome, awesome stuff from all of those people wanted to keep this one short. Obviously, thank you to all of our supporters. I I honestly think this one um, that we're going to do here right now is probably the most vulnerable vex I would say that you and I are going to get <laughs> in, uh, in, in this process that we've been doing of our podcast for this long um, because it is not easy at times to talk about a lot of the tough stuff that, uh, that we've gone through in, in our lives and in our careers. So if you're ready though, let's uh, get after you ready to go. Let's get ready to cry. I mean, rumble. <laughs> God, I hope I don't cry, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll happen. see. We'll see. Um, okay. So to start it off, actually, let's have you start it off. I'll have you go first. Um, you know, I think even talking before this, we each kind of had one or two from when we were a little bit younger, one or two while we were kind of in it, you know, and, and really grinding and, and living our dream of trying to become a, a college and professional hockey player. And then one, as we got a little bit older, got a little bit more, um, you know, perspective when it comes to the game and everything like that. And so we'll start with you. This is I, for the kids, I think it's good to do it for all because the best part about our podcast is we have so many different people that listen to it. The feedback that we get, a lot of it is from parents and kids of, hey, we listen to this on the car ride to and from the rink and you get to share those moments. So you get to listen to it together and, and hopefully we can help you to get through some of the times as a, as a parent-child combo nation. And then also we have a lot of higher level people that, that listen to this too. And they can probably sympathize and empathize with some of the stuff that we've been through, whether it's the transition out of hockey, uh, whether it was just some tough times that we had at the higher levels and stuff like that. So um, I think it's good to get a wide range of this because we are in this for you guys. 
guys uh, as as our listeners, and and we want to help as as best we can to give you some insight and perspective into something that we feel like is one of the most important things, not just in hockey and sports, but in life as well. So Vex, I'll let you go first, man. As as a younger fella, as a younger buck, you know what uh, what are maybe one or two of the things that uh, that happened that were pretty tough for you. The first one that, that I thought about when we said we were going to do this was the first time I remember being cut. Um, I've talked about it on the podcast before, probably a long time ago. Um, it was like a, a summer, um, you know, special team, like above double A. This was way before little kids were playing triple A. You know, I was probably like 11 maybe or something. And uh, I was named an alternate for STL Elite. And... I just remember this is when you would come out of locker room and they'd post who made it and who didn't. So like right there. So everybody's going up to the sign to see if you made it or you didn't. And it's hard. It's embarrassing when you don't make it and everybody's right there seeing that you didn't make it. And you're seeing all your buddies get excited and you go up to the list and you didn't make it. And I remember crying. I remember going in the car and crying and just being like, I think I held in my tears until we got to the car. And then I just bawled. And my parents were like, first of all, unreal. Thank you, mom and dad. They were like, you know what? Like, do you think you deserved to make the team from your tryout? Not from like what you did last year from your tryout. And I was like, well, and I, I knew I didn't have my best tryout. And they were like, yeah, you, you were honest with you. You did not have your best tryout. So like, what do you think you need to do about this? Like literally it was crazy. Like how good they were with it. And I was named an alternate and I was like, I'm going to quit hockey. Like I'm not good anymore. I remember just like freaking out yard sailing, <laughs> sell the farm, you know? And they were just like, well, you know, like, why don't you call the coach? And why don't you ask them like, what could you have done better? Blah, blah, blah. Cause they knew the coach. They didn't call the coach and say, you know, demand I be on the team or whatever. They were like, you know, just tell the coach if anything happens, you know, you're an alternate, you'd love to be on the team. And uh, that, that made me uh, go into the garage and start shooting pucks and start rollerblading around the garage and my basement and outside in the front, in the front, uh, you know, in the street, like with purpose, like I was actually out there trying to like work on things. I remember like shoot pucks over and over versus like just being a kid and playing. I was still having fun. I was still playing, but like that made me work on things. And, uh, I remember asking the coach, my, my parents made me, they didn't ask, you know, what can I work on? And he gave me some things to work on. And, um, funny enough, like somebody couldn't go to the tournament and I got, you know, called up or whatever. And then I was on the team from then on. Whereas I look back now, knowing what I know now, I'm like, what if my parents called? I probably wouldn't have worked harder. The coaches would have been not liked me, thought I was like a problem case, problem family, whatever. And uh, it wound up being such a good thing for me. Like, obviously that night at the time for a week until we found out somebody couldn't go and I made, then I got bumped up. It was super hard. But looking back, and this is a speech I give to all the kids I train, that was one of the pivotal moments in my career because I remember at that age, 11, 12, being like, I hate this feeling. I never want to be cut again. And literally, I tell that story to all new clients, all people I go and speak to, Zoom calls, all this stuff. That got my interest into like investing in myself with my time and my work ethic at 11, 12 years old, whatever it was. So that was my first, that was my young one. How about you? I love that, man. Well, before we get to mine, I just think that's unbelievable that your parents did that, you know, and, and we talk about it all the time. It's like, hey, <laughs> don't make excuses. Um, don't, don't pout like, okay, what can you do 
to get better and make sure that it doesn't happen again. It's not, let's make sure we make the circumstances for our kid different (laughs) by doing whatever we need to do as parents to make sure that this never happens again. No, you put the onus on, on your kid. Um, One of the best lessons you can learn in life is control what you can control and chips will fall where they may based upon a lot of different things. But at the end of the day, the most important one is, is what you put into it. Right. So knowing your parents, that does not surprise me. Um, and I just think that's really cool. Yeah. Like looking back, that changed my life. Like, you know, it could have went a different way. Like easily they could have been like, calling or like you should have made it but I literally remember them and I remember it hurting me a little bit that they're like you didn't have your best tryout like you didn't deserve to make it but like that's the tough love that coaching and parenting requires to um, you know help the the players the kids grow as hockey players and human beings and um, I'm just very thankful that my parents handled it that way very very thankful. Totally, man. Totally. I think, you know, my parents are the same way. Mine, mine's pretty funny too. So when I was, I think probably the same age, I was a peewee and, uh, tried out for team Illinois and, uh, had, had been with the same group. So I, I, you know, would say I, if I'm being honest, I was blessed with some abilities uh, as a younger kid, uh, in terms of hockey talent. That's a, that's a, you were disgusting. <laughs> and you also worked hard. You were playing hockey 24 nine, uh, in the basement all the time. But dude, for the listeners out here, I'm not kidding. Topher was disgusting. All right. All right. You no, know, right, but you, you, you need to have your tires pumped because you know, uh, if people look at we you. We don't like tire pumping at 10 and 11. That's not, that's counter to what we, well, it obviously <laughs> went up throughout, it obviously went out up throughout your career, but like, you know, we'll, we'll cross paths with guys that are 85s that played against you even, you know, obviously all through college, but they're like, Oh my God, like, dude, I remember you. You were that guy. Like, so anyways, back to the story. All right. So, okay. I was that guy, uh, blessed with a lot of stuff aside from the height. Uh, maybe that's why people remember me. It was probably more for the height stuff than, uh, than the hockey stuff. But anyway, so I actually played, uh, up for a lot of my younger years. Uh, I was an 85, but played a lot with the 84s. And one year, um, we all went over to team Illinois is, I think it was maybe our first or second year of playing triple a. I th- actually, I think it was our second year of playing triple a, And, uh, and so as one of the better players on the team, you know, kind of going in and thinking it's a shoe in, I guess. And so went to the tryouts, honestly, don't even remember how I played in tryouts. Obviously I didn't play well enough. Um, but the crazy part was, so like the coaches were my previous coaches, the players that made the team were all like the players that I played with. And I was one of the better players on the team all the way up and things like that. And very, very similar where they posted uh, a sheet after the last tryouts. And so I literally was going over to the sheet, having 0% chance that I wasn't making the team. Um, And I remember looking at the sheet and not seeing my name. And I literally stood there for like probably five to 10 minutes being like, this doesn't make any sense. This literally doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm missing my name somewhere. Maybe they forgot or, or something like that. And so I go into the lobby and my mom had taken me to tryouts and I'm like, mom, I, I don't know if I made the team. And she's kind of like, ah, yeah, right. Cause like we were friends with the coaches. Like, I had played for them previously and things like that. And so they were like, no, that doesn't make any sense. So like my mom comes in and she looks at the sheet and she's like, 
your name's not on here. And, and I remember we, I, I, I kid you not, we got into the car so confused and started driving off and probably drove about five to 10 minutes. And then we were both like looking at each other, like this makes no sense. So we went back to the rink, <laughs> looked at the sheet again, and my name wasn't on there. And so we were just miffed. We had no idea what was going on. And so it uh, turns out we called the coaches up who were friends of my parents and, and I didn't make the team. And so it was the first time that had ever happened to me. It was a complete shock uh, to, to myself and my family and stuff. And, um, you know, so it was, it was hard. It was really hard. Like those were all my best friends in hockey growing up that I was not going to be able to play with this year. And then I was going to have to go find another team to put, hopefully somebody didn't have a roster spot filled. And so my parents did some calling around just to kind of see. And, and at that time, you know, there's five AAA teams in Chicago. There was only two at the time. It was CYA and TI. And so uh, eventually my dad got put in touch with Stan Stiopkin, who was one of the most influential coaches I've ever had in my life. And my parents always tried to instill in us that everything happens for a reason. I can't, that's probably the one saying that my parents said to me the most in my upbringing, whether it was me or my sister or my brothers, everything happens for a reason. And even the bad stuff that it, there's a purpose for it. And so uh, what ended up being just a really, really difficult um, thing and getting cut and not being able to play with my best friends and uh, having coaches that I had played for cut me, that was, that was tough, but it ended up being one of the best things ever because I found Stan who ended up being one of the best coaches I ever had. And then the funny thing about it is it lit a fire under my ass too, because now I wanted to prove to those coaches that they were wrong. So, you know, I, I had that summer just an absolute reckless abandon when it came to everything that I can do um, hockey wise. And then halfway through the year, they called me up to play a couple games because there were some injuries and uh, ended up like scoring a couple goals and all that kind of stuff. And, and then the other thing was in Chicago at the time, uh, CYA played against TI. That was the Quebec year. So they played against each other. And then the team that won got to go to the Pee Quebec tournament. And so they asked me to come up and actually play in that game um, to, for them to go to Quebec because I was, I had shown that I was probably still one of the best players on the team when I came up there. And so I remember playing in that game and uh, we ended up losing, I think it was two to one. And I had the only goal and being in the locker room afterwards and seeing them just distraught because they didn't go to, they didn't get to go to Quebec anymore. Um, and they were the better team. They had more talent than, than CYA. And I just remember sitting in there, like, I, I feel nothing. I feel nothing. I feel great about where I am. I feel great that I'm not a part of this. Like they didn't want me. I proved to them now that they were wrong and I'm going back to stand. And they actually asked me to stay up with them for the rest of the year. And I talked to my parents about it and we said, no, we're, we're staying with the people who believed in me from the start. And again, that was one of the best decisions ever because played three more years for, for one of the best coaches I ever had. And, and it just was a, I don't know. I just think from a youth hockey standpoint, it's good to get, I don't want to say it's good to get cut, but it's good to get kicked in the teeth. It's good to, it's good to have adversity as young as you can, because then you really um, understand how much you love it. And when you're kind of coasting along as one of the best players, sometimes that's what happens with some of the best players is they coast along because they haven't hit that adversity. And you talk to people at the highest levels, they'll tell you that you want to hit adversity young because you have to be able to deal with it because you're going to get, 
you're going to get it <laughs> when you get older. So, um, long story short, or actually long story long. <laughs> um, but that was one, I guess, kind of the same age where we both kind of got, got kicked in the teeth a little bit and had a great support system and, and made the best of a, of a crappy situation. Love it. I didn't, I didn't know that you got cut I, I, uh, from a team ever. I never knew that. That would have, honestly, that would have helped me knowing that when I was younger, that you had been cut. Um, cause I never heard that story because I looked up to you cause you were so good and like, the best hockey player I personally knew when I was a little kid. And, uh, like, I think that's also a teaching lesson too. Like for those parents out there, you know, look, li- find other kids or other parents who've had their kids cut and maybe have that kid talk to, to your kid. Um, because it's not, the world's not over as a kid. You think it is but it's not, it's not over. And I personally don't believe everything happens for a reason. I don't believe in that, but I believe that you can make a good situation out of anything. So kind of along the same lines, but I look at it as it's on me or it's on you to make the best out of whatever you're dealt with, because you could sit and sulk or you can make the best out of it. And what happened? You made the best out of it. You went to stand, you had a great coach, you soaked it all up and you worked your ass off and you got better. You know, like I got cut, went out, I worked harder. I made the best of it. When my time came and they wanted to pull me up, I was ready and I never got cut again. So same, same, you know, along the same lines, but it's just such an important thing because life's easy until you get cut and for the parents and the kids. And it's just so important for everyone to hear these kind of stories. Absolutely. Most people get cut. (laughs) Most people get cut too. Um, So, all right. Do you want me to go first with the next one? Yes, I do. (laughs) okay uh this one it's it's actually funny because this week was the select 16 festival um where all the top what is it 200 players or so go up to uh it's in buffalo now it was in st cloud when we were there um to to compete and and try to make uh the five nations team that's going overseas and actually one of the kids um that's going to be on my team this year made that team so congrats to to mikey birchall for doing that and so um you were actually on the team and i I think we've talked about this i can't remember but select 16s uh, was different back in the day where the districts played against each other it wasn't all the kids going there kind of like scattered around from different parts of the country on all different teams like we were the central district so illinois missouri wisconsin um playing against team michigan team massachusetts uh, the Pacific, the Minnesota and Dakotas and things like that. And so, um, you know, we went there and as a group, we did really well. I think in select 16s, we came in second to Michigan. And I just remember um, wanting, like for me, the ultimate dream was putting on the USA uniform. I love our country and being able to represent the U S was a dream of mine since I was younger on par with wanting to play in the NHL. And I remember going to that tournament and thought I played extremely well. I think I was the third or fourth leading scorer in, in the camp. And so I knew that they were picking the team afterwards to go overseas. And so I remember going into the locker room after the championship game. And there were a bunch of people that were in there that had envelopes, a bunch of guys on our team. We had a sick team, right? Like Ryan Suter was on our team um, who just got bought out, by the way. That's crazy <laughs> that he got bought out. Um, but Jake Dowell is another NHL player. Staz was on that team. Like we had, we were, we were pretty loaded. And so all these guys, I think we made had four or five, maybe six guys that had envelopes and I didn't have one. And I was kind of like, you gotta be like, 
are you serious? You got to be kidding me. And then um, the coach comes in the locker room afterwards and he pulls me out and he says, Hey, I'd, I'd like to talk to you for a second. I said, okay. So he brings me upstairs into the room where kind of everybody's signing their cards or their contracts to be on the team, to go overseas. Everybody's like celebrating and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just kind of sitting there. Um, and then the coach finally comes back over to me and he says, Hey, um, want to talk to you. Uh, you're going to be an alternate for going overseas we felt like you played really, really well and you really deserve to go, but we're just looking for more size at this tournament. And because of your size, we're not going to take you. <laughs> and so, oh boy, it took everything in my being not to punch him right in the face, right there. Like I, I was heated, so heated, you know, talk about your dream snatched um, from right in front of you. And then seeing everybody celebrate doing it right in front of you as, as you're kind of sitting there. Um, and, and, and like looking back now as an older, you know, older guy, he was trying to be nice and he was trying to do something nice for me and tell me that I played well and and things. So I kind of get that side of it. But when he told me that I didn't make it because of my size, Oh my God, like what a motivating factor. Um, I saw red. I legitimately saw red and I was like, I cannot wait. I hope I play against this guy at some point in my career and I'm going to shove it so far. And I'm going to prove that, that this was like the worst decision that he ever made in his entire life. And, uh, it it was just another part of the journey where you get absolutely gut punch. And that's one of the things that I think kids need to understand is that you don't always get what you deserve. You can work as hard as you can. You can have the best intentions. You could be the best player, but for whatever reason, life is not fair. And sometimes even though you probably deserve something, it won't go your way. And the worst thing that you can do is complain about it and be bitter about it. The best thing that you can do is put it on your wall and throw darts at it (laughs) and let it motivate you. And I know you've had a couple of those things and I know you had a board or something at some point. Um, but that was one for me. I, I, I thought I had made the team to play team USA. I thought I deserved a spot, uh, to do it. And because of my size, I did not. And, but again, uh, huge, learning moment in my life. Uh, again, same thing support system that I had. My parents don't pout, just get better and prove them wrong, you know? And, and I spent a lot of nights and days at the rink and in the weight room and in my basement thinking about that conversation for literally years. And it motivated me so much to, to want to get better. So, um, just an absolute gut punch, but Hey, I'm still pissed about it. If you couldn't tell from my tone. <laughs> I mean, I remember that. I remember finishing the tournament and losing to, to Michigan and we got silver. And by the way, I loved those, those uh, select festivals. That was literally like one of the most fun so much times. Fun. The best. I, I hate that they don't do, you know, the districts anymore playing each other. Cause there was a sense of pride and whatever, but that was, dude, that was so much fun. You're playing for something, but anyways, I still chirp everyone on every Michigan and Minnesota 85 that I know. That select <laughs> oh, you, you, oh, you've made 50 million in the show played for 15 years. Yeah. You remember that time we beat you in the summer in, at Ferris or uh, St. Cloud, Cloud state in the championship. Yeah, that's right. Okay. But um, yeah, I remember you'd be an absolutely hooped 
not making that team. And cause obviously our whole family was up there watching and just you coming out. I was just like, Oh my God, like what the heck? Like Tova's one of the best players in this entire thing. Like that was just unbelievable. But looking back and, and how much that motivated you and how much you thought about it for years and years after, if you could go back, would you change it? Do you think it helped you that much where you wouldn't have changed it? Uh, you know what? Uh, um, my gut says no, but because it was such a motivating thing, but I've still yet, and I never got the chance to, to represent our country um, in, in hockey, two things that I absolutely love. So, you know, looking back, it's, it's, that's a tough one for me, man, because it, it was such a, you know, a, a good thing, but also, I mean, just also sucks. <laughs> still a butt clap. Yeah. Um, weren't, you an alter- weren't you an alternate the next year? Too? No, I wasn't an alternate the next year. I, I didn't play very well at Select Seventeens. Uh, no? That's the one you made, you should, right? Yeah, I thought you should have made it that next year. No, too. I shouldn't. I actually shouldn't have. I remember no? because that's that back back in that day. <laughs> that was the first because I remember that was the first time the colleges were coming to look at you at Select Seventeens, and so I remember just psyching myself out. Like I wanted to play college hockey so bad, and I just had the wrong mindset going into it, and I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to perform. And I, I didn't play as well as I needed to. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, I was so happy for you. And, and we had a bunch of guys, I feel like on that, on that central district team that ended up making, it was a great experience too, because our team won it, which was so much fun. Last thing that we were able to kind of do together. Um, but yeah, I, I did not, I did not deserve to go after that one. Oh uh, yeah. I just remember you being sick. Cause you are sick. <laughs> all right go ahead you're up i've been talking too much go um for me the next one was my first uh real injury in my life in my hockey career where i missed you know more than a game or something um in juniors my first year wasn't having a good year anyways uh played for a tough coach who you know didn't didn't like the, the game that I played or whatever. Uh, and uh, went from being like all time high the couple years before, you know, making that USA team that summer and went over and played in, in check for team USA. And I come back and um, re- I've led the, led the, our team in uh, scoring in preseason. So I'm thinking, Oh, I'm just going to keep being sick here. Like this is nasty. And then boom, <laughs> punched in the face was not ready to play junior hockey, was not strong enough, was not mentally tough enough, was not good enough, lost my confidence. And uh, through the first, I think it was like 30 games, I had a goal and two assists. And then like the 31st game, maybe we were playing the first game after Christmas in Green Bay. I got hit in the boards in like a really weird way as I was taking a slap shot, dumping it in. And uh, I got hit like super hard. And the guy just like, crushed my like hip from the side went to the boards like really awkward and like my pelvis like literally like crunched in on itself and it tore the groin off my bone off the bone um tore my adductor off the bone and it's the first real injury i've ever had uh super super hard you know like 17 year old kid never been injured no idea like how to overcome this um it, i just remember being like 
I'm going to quit hockey because I, I couldn't get better. They also like, you know, I look back and I know now, um, you know, junior teams are cheap and they didn't get me an MRI. They got me an X-ray and a CT scan or some kind of scan bone scan. Um, but that doesn't show muscles, tendons, ligaments. And I look back now and the reason they didn't do that is because it's way more expensive. So any parents out there, if your kid ever gets injured in juniors or whatever, make them get the MRI. Um, cause you can't see everything on, on, x-rays the tendons ligaments muscles but anyways and man like i'd come back for a week i'd start skating i'd fall on it and i'd be hurt again and i'd be on crutches i couldn't walk and the cycle went on for like three months of me like feeling better and then getting back to skating and i couldn't do it getting better getting back to skating and i couldn't do it i was just like soul crushing i'm like i'm never gonna play again like i'm hurt like what's going on in reality it was only three a little over three months long but like 17 year old kid that was super hard for me and i know t- shut up doggies and i know tons of players who get hurt their first or second year junior and they go through the same thing and they tell me how hard it is and i don't know how to come back and what did you do and all these things and uh i don't know man i, I know you had a couple you know i know you had a similar situation with the steel but it was so so intense and so hard for me and i, I just kept being like i'm never gonna play hockey again yeah, that's not fun. It that's was terrible. At all. It was yeah. terrible. It's a, you know what the worst part about it is, is it's the first time in hockey that you kind of feel lonely, you know, because you're in the weight or you're in the weight room or you're in the trainer's room while everybody else is practicing. And, you know, they're kind of developing their camaraderie just as you do naturally from practices and lifting and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you're on your own program for the first time. And so when you, you, you see your, your teammates battling each other in practice or in the weight room, and then you got to be in the press box during the games, it's a, it's a lonely, lonely feeling. That's for sure. And, and I feel like, especially when you're injured, your, your support system that you have outside of hockey is so incredibly important because, um, you do, you do feel that lack of connection. It doesn't matter how often you're around the rink or how often you're around the guys away from the rink. If you're playing juniors or pro or college or whatever, it's still like being injured is a very lonely feeling. I'm sure you felt that a lot. That's so true. Like you're, you're at the rink for the same amount of time. The other guys are, you're around the guys the whole time other than during practice be right so effing lonely for a month of it i was the only guy hurt so i was by myself and then for one another month somebody had a high ankle sprain so there was two of us somebody did another guy did another high ankle sprain so there was three of us um and that helped but you're right like the feeling of loneliness like you're living away from home if you're in juniors. So you're not with your family. You're not with your friends you've had your whole life. You're not playing hockey with the team. You're not skating. It, very, very lonely, very hard. Um, I don't remember. I think, coaches, I think coaches need to recognize that too. I think coaches do. need to understand that injured players, because sometimes as coaches, you kind of forget about the injured guys. You know, you check in with them to see how they're doing injury wise or whatever, but those are the people you have to check in on the most because they're the ones that uh, emotionally and, and mentally are probably just absolutely feeling it. And coaches, you know, I think it's a, it's a responsibility in our relationship building to really look after the, the kids who are injured because loneliness is, is one of the worst feelings in the world. And there's no lonelier feeling in sports than being injured and not being able to be out there battling with your, with your teammates. I'm so glad you said that because yeah, I mean, I, I honestly don't remember 
talking to the coaches at all, other than in between periods of home games where I'd have to turn in the stats. That was, you know, and, and if the stats were wrong, I was going to get punished somehow. Like, you know, if I, if I had the stats wrong, so it was just like lonely and pressure and whatever. And, uh, what's, what's ironic about that though, like my parents kept wanting to ask me how I was and talk to me. And I did not want to talk to them about <laughs> hockey at all. Yeah. I didn't want to talk to them about what was going on because I didn't know I was confused. I was lonely. I was embarrassed that I was hurt, you know, when my friends all were playing and they're not hurt. And, uh, so that was super hard. Um, I look back and I did the same thing to my family and my, my parents when I had my concussion later in my career. Um, the only other bad injury injuries that I've ever sustained. And it was the same thing. Like people always are asking your family and I didn't want to talk to them about it because I was embarrassed and like, you know, whatever, but yeah, lonely is a great, a great thing to, 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 to talk about. And I really am glad you said that coaches should focus on, every day, every other day when they come to the rink, Hey, how you doing? How's the rehab going? How you feeling? Like, don't worry. You're going to get through this 30 seconds of your time could make the biggest difference in an injured player's life, uh, around the rink. For sure, man. Absolutely. I had in with my big first injury in junior hockey, my junior coach was awesome. Uh, a guy named AJ Taves. He's a scout with the Washington Capitals now Stanley cup winner. And uh, he's been doing that for, for a long time, but he always made me feel included. Like he always made me feel like I was a part of the team and that like the team was really kind of missing me, if that makes any sense. And, um, he, he was awesome. Just a great person. I still actually keep in touch with him today. And so I really appreciated that. And, and I, yeah, I had a similar, similar thing with, with my, um, you know, with my knee injury. So it was my third year playing junior hockey. I was 17 years old. <laughs> That's another thing. Talk about adversity playing junior hockey when you're too young and you're not ready to yet. Uh, kids do the Billy Madison, stay as long as you can before you go up to the next level until you're ready. So, you know, battling that first couple of years or particularly the first year um, when I was really young and not ready yet, that was definitely something that was not easy, but in terms of my injury. So it was my third year of uh, playing junior hockey with the steel. And I had finally turned that corner. I finally had kind of gained my confidence back from having a couple tough first years of, of playing junior hockey used to be in one of the best players. And then all of a sudden you're not. And all of a sudden you find yourself out of the lineup for the first time or playing fourth line minutes. And, and that's something that I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, but that, that definitely wasn't easy, but I had kind of regained my mojo. If that's what you want to call it, I had a great summer, came into camp, uh, was named an, an assistant captain um, and went into the USHL fall classic. It was called the buck bowl at the time. Remember the buck bowl <laughs> in Des Moines and, uh, so went into the fall classic, uh, led the fall classic in scoring. Um, and the best part about it was again, dream of mine to play college hockey. And, and after the fall classic, when all the coaches are allowed to come and talk to you afterwards, I, I mean, they were lining up to talk to me and I was so excited because I'd had a couple tough years. I had gotten cut from that team USA team, you know, <laughs> there, there had been some adversity to say the least that I had to go through. And so it was really, really rewarding. And then I just remember kind of being on cloud nine. I mean, the schools that I dreamed of, of going to were talking to me about coming and visiting and, and all of that kind of stuff. Week later, going to Green Bay, playing at the Rush Center, uh, first game ever at the Rush Center, and uh, um, second period, I still remember 
to this day and I can still kind of see it vividly. Uh, it was me and a kid named Rene Gauthier. We were on a two on two and I was in the middle and I kicked it out to the outside and drove the net and it was a harmless play. He shot it looking for a rebound, but the goalie uh, covered it. And as I was going to stop, nobody even hit me or anything. I just, my knee buckled just like that and uh, knew pretty quickly that it wasn't very good. It was my first time being um, very injured that I had a possibility of being really injured. I remember I had to kind of get carried off the ice a little bit. And I remember going to, to the locker room and our trainer, I uh, was laying on my back and uh, he was, do, you know, doing the tests that you do to figure out what's going on. And I just saw him do something with my leg and I was like, Oh, my knee's not supposed to go that way. <laughs> and, and, uh, and sure enough, I ended up, you know, going to get the MRI that week and torn ACL torn ACL first game of the season after, uh, being at just a complete high after being, um, you know, in, in a couple of years of just having a tough go in, in junior hockey. And so um, after that, uh, all the schools, except for one uh, that I really didn't want to go to anyway, just they, they never returned my calls after that. And being five foot four, I, I, it is what it is. Um, and so that was, that was another gut punch. And so I had to get surgery to reconstruct my knee. Um, the crazy thing about it, um, was Danny Bernard, one of our good buddies, um, guy that I grew up playing with, uh, in Chicago was playing in green Bay at the time and tore his ACL literally that same game five minutes before I did. And so, um, I remember when he got hurt and he was getting carried off the ice and I was like, man, I, I'll, you know, I got to call him after the game. Hopefully he's okay. And then five minutes later, boom, it was me. And then, so I remember, um, you know, talking to him after the game or the next week or whatever. And we were talking, we we're like, man, we both tore ACLs in the same game. And the crazy thing about it is we pushed each other, like, our competitive spirits within us were like, he's not getting back before me. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting back before Vern. There's no way. And so we, we, you know, we kept in touch obviously and pushed each other and, and we each got back about a month earlier than we were expected to, which, which was awesome to have that. I mean, not awesome for him that it happened to him, but it was great that we had each other to, to help us through that time. Um, but the other thing that, was, and I tell this to people all the time. I honestly think that that injury was the best thing that ever happened to me. That injury was the best thing that ever happened to me because I think I grew up more in that five or so, whatever it was months as, as a, as a mentally tough human being than any time in my entire life. And it was grueling. It was lonely. It sucked. Our team wasn't doing very well. And it was just a, a tough time. And I felt almost, you know, it, like I felt responsible almost for it. Like I can't be out there with those guys um, to, to help them win. But I, I will say that um, I have a great support system that did not allow me to pout. I had a great support system. Again, my parents, like I said earlier, everything happens for a reason. Take whatever this kind of crappy situation is and let's turn it into a positive. And so I became more mentally tough, like I said, in, in those five or whatever months it was than ever before. And I became a man and I learned what it was like to miss the game. I think that's one thing from an injury standpoint. If you're learning to turn it into a positive, you really miss the game and you find out how much you love it when it gets taken away from you, um, especially for that long. Right. And so, um, you know, ended up 
coming back and obviously was able to play college hockey and prove all those people. And that was another motivating factor. Like all those people never called me back. All those colleges didn't call me back except for one. And so that was another motivating factor for me. Cause I remember sitting on my couch after surgery, ice on my knee, just like talking to my parents being like, are they going to call? <laughs> they were so excited that I played so well and none of them have called. And so that was a lonely place too, because again, dreams getting snatched away from you, you're feeling like, but again, it was my parents being the awesome parents that they are. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Use this as a positive, prove those people wrong. And so I'd like to think that I did that by what I was able to do at the college level and, you know, beat a few of the teams at Cornell of, of the ones that were talking to me and then, and then stopped talking to me. So, um, like I said, best thing that ever happened to me, honestly, was that knee injury, especially as a young 17 year old, weird to say that, but I honestly think it's true. So it's so wild how similar, you know, our stories are because mine would happen in green Bay also. <laughs> and I hate that city. Yeah, a year after yours, and in the same game that I got hurt, Phil Todd, uh, who who passed away the year after uh, in Omaha, he he injured his ankle in the same game that I tore my groin, and really? he got the crutches, and I had to like hobble my ass out of there. <laughs> Don't mo- one of the most painful things ever, but um, that injury is what got me into off ice training. Like I'd never really been into working out that much, and that yeah. injury super propelled me into that was the only thing I could do was lift weights. And that is the catalyst that changed my life, my career, everything. I would not have made it to college hockey. If that injury didn't happen the the same way, I wouldn't have been the same person. I wouldn't have been strong enough. I would not have made it to pro hockey. I wouldn't have played 10 years pro and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Wouldn't be on this podcast with you now because no one would want to listen to me. I would have nothing to say. So that, uh, that injury, like, you know, like we said earlier, everything happens for a reason or like make a good out of a bad situation. And we both did. And, um, you know, I remember you going through that and that was, that was hard to watch too. And it was right before I got injured, but, but that also like helped me learn. I learned from you getting over it, you know? So again, you helped me again, my man. I really think, you know, (sighs) freaking a, you can turn any negative into a positive. That's so hard. Like I even struggle with that now a lot, uh, especially with things that are outside of your control. <laughs> um, but you can, if you, if you choose to do that as hard as it is, because it's weird how human nature goes, right? Like it's really easy to be lazy, which doesn't do you any good. It's really easy to be negative, which doesn't do you any good. It's really easy to make excuses and blame other people. And that doesn't make you really good. It's almost like backwards, but I, that's also what I love about human nature because it just goes to show that if you put in the work and you work on your positivity and, and things like that, as hard as it can be, you can really accomplish things that other people can't because again, it's hard. It's called work hard for a reason, not work easy. And um, the, the hard times are, are the best and it's just human nature is a funny thing, isn't it? So true. There's always something that something that you can be doing to get better while bad things are happening. Your knee, you injured your knee. You can work out your upper body. You can work out your other leg. You can watch the game as much as you can. You can talk to a sports psychologist. You can learn the game from a coaching perspective. There's so many things that you can still do. And that goes the same with almost every single injury, almost every injury. And that, that honestly leads me into, you know, my last one. And also my hardest one was, you know, my concussion, my bad one. Um, 
that's a little bit different because like back then they were like, there's nothing you can do. There is nothing you can do. I know now there are some things you can do, but back then it was like, just sit in the dark, wait three days, try and ride the bike. Oh, it didn't work. You'd felt like shit. You got dizzy, you puked, wait three days, sit in the dark, try it again. Oh, it didn't work. And just repeat, 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 repeat. And that's how it was. And, um, you know, for me, like I, I sacrificed, I feel like quite a bit in my life, but not in a bad way. I would do it all over again. Exactly. Everything I did, you know, not going to parties all, you know, rarely going to them and, you know, strictly eating well and pushing myself in the gym and being super dedicated to being better because my goal was to play in the NHL and I signed my deal and I'm thinking it's going to happen. And I get a concussion in the summer where I miss, you know, a year, a year plus of hockey. And, uh, I, I couldn't do the things that I wanted to. I couldn't work out. I couldn't, I couldn't even like fucking stretch. I couldn't do, I was having nightmares every single night that my teeth were falling out every single night. I didn't even want to go to sleep. I literally like I'd sleep on the floor sometimes because my bed would be soaked with sweat from waking up from the same nightmare every single night of my teeth falling out, wake up with my hands in my mouth. Uh, I couldn't go to grocery stores for more than like, I had to like set my watch for three minutes. If I was in there for over three minutes, I was going to get sick because of the lights and all of the, um, stimuli that my brain was taking in for my eyes. And, you know, it was, it was embarrassing, you know, I was like, well, I fell during a summer skate, power skating, you know, in the summer, I, I literally like ruined my career from a, from power skating in the summer. Like that's the most embarrassing thing I've ever heard. I don't know anyone who's ever done that before, you know, and I, I was never the same player again because I, I, I had, you know, I was, I was telling somebody in the other day, one of my NHL guys was asking me about, you know, what I went through and I was telling him for over, over a year, maybe even two, I'd be in the shower shampooing my hair to anywhere at the rink on the road, anywhere. And if like the, the, the shower head like grazed my hair, not even my head, my hair, my whole body would just flinch instinctively. And I'd like come down into like a ball. Like I was about to be punched in the stomach, just like fast reaction jerk for like two straight years. I'm guessing like, is my brain trying to protect itself? Like I, I have no idea. I couldn't help it. It would just like instinctively happen. I, it wasn't me controlling it. And just like all these things, you know, get dizzy spinning around. Am I ever going to play hockey again? Am I ever going to be able to work out again? Am I ever going to be normal again? Like I had no idea. Um, I was friggin' hard. I, you know, it, it was extremely, extremely hard. I remember that, man. I remember, you know, you were in Providence at the time. And yeah, I mean, that's another thing to talk about too, is like, it's hard for the person, obviously. It's hard for the person who's going through it. But I remember even having conversations with your parents, like, I don't know what to do. The more I talk to him about it, the more he doesn't want to talk about it. Um, and, and it's hard on, on the support system too. Um, and I remember calling you and, and knowing all that, that's the hardest part too, is like knowing how much work you put into it, knowing that it was at your fingertips, you signed an NHL contract after your junior year. And then I don't remember how I found out about it, whether you told me or somebody in our family told me or, or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just, I don't, and you know, I've had concussions, but not nearly to, to the extent that you have, how did you, how did you finally 
get through it? Like what was, was there ever a moment when it went from like pessimism to optimism? Was there ever a conversation or a way that you felt or just take, take us through how you, you know, how you persevered through that? Cause I can't, I can't even imagine. Well, like it was so embarrassing going to my first NHL training camp. Cause I signed like we lost on a Sunday. I signed with Boston on Monday I think, and I was on a plane on Tuesday practicing on Wednesday um, in the AHL. And uh, then my NHL contract kicked in right after that season, at the end of the AHL season there. And, you know, I played so well. They're like, you're going to play in the show, like whatever. We really like you. And uh, I had that happen and I had to go to camp. Like everybody's like, why aren't you playing? What's going on? I had to tell them, like, I fell power skating. And like, everybody's like, ah, oh, you'll be fine soon. It's like, dude it's been months already it's already been three months and i'm i'm not fine and i'm pretending like oh i'm okay it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay it just it wasn't never got better um and that old school thank god concussion protocol has changed which is massively extremely helpful there are so many things that you can do to recover start your recovery immediately the day you get the concussion you can start recovering and there was that that science just wasn't available unfortunately back then it took until christmas my dad was googling all the time and doing his own research my dad's like i want you to call this doctor at buffalo state and i for the life of me i feel so bad i can't remember his name because i wish i could i wish i could call him and thank him you know because of how much he helped me just with that hour-long phone call we had and my dad reached out to the guy and said this is what's going on with my son like you know his dreams blah 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 explain the situation he said he would take a call with me so I talked to him and uh he was like there's all this stuff you can do if you can't get out here you should go out to Pittsburgh and see Mickey Collins he's the guy who created um the baseline testing that you know now like most people have gone through or they you know if you played college hockey in the last 20 years 10 years you probably have done it and uh so I uh, the team went on a hey sorry tugs I went on the team went on a two week road trip in January, I want to say. Um, and I went to called Boston and I was like, Hey, like nothing's working that we're doing here. You know, I'm seeing doctors five, six days a week in Boston and nothing's working. I want to go, I'll pay it for myself to go out to see this concussion specialist. Like he wasn't like massive yet because baseline had just come out and uh they were like yeah if you want to go ahead so i paid myself to fly out to pittsburgh i stayed for five days and they in those five days worked with me and did so many things that i had not done in like let's see it happened in july i think or june july august september october november december in seven months i had done nothing and I was like lifting light weights, walking on a treadmill and riding the bike in five days with them after going through all this testing, them teaching me, you should be doing it this way. You should be doing it that way. Um, you know, all these little details. And from then on, it just like went on this steady incline and it was amazing. It was amazing. But like, I, if I wouldn't have been like, maybe I didn't get hurt in juniors and I didn't learn my lessons that, you know, you got to go after, you got to do things for yourself, whatever. I probably wouldn't have went out there. And I paid for myself to go out there. And that was the turning point. That's insane, man. That's absolutely insane. So how did you, you know, as you started to get better and as you started to, um, 
you know, kind of feel better and feel like maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel here. What was going through your mind then? Like, was it, was it still a, like a feeling of, Oh crap, this might happen again. Was it like every day waking up and just thinking, okay, I feel better, but is this, is it going to, am I going to regress and go back? Like talk about just like the ups and downs of how that was. There had to have been so many of them. Yeah. Coming back from a concussion, a bad, a bad one like I had is not linear. It's not a straight line. And, yeah. and and they kept reinforcing, you know, when I went to Pittsburgh, they kept reinforcing with me. You might take two or three steps forward and you might take three steps back and then four steps forward and one step back and five and two and one and one and one and three. Like you just got to stick with it. You got to breathe. You got to stay relaxed. Like we will get you through this. And it was like, it was so reassuring. I had heard that before, but now it was actually like doing things to where I'd have a good day and then maybe I'd push a little too much and I'd come back. But they taught me what to do on the bad days, not do nothing. And it started working. And so I believe, I believed them and I did exactly what they said. And, you know, the bad days were hard because you, oh man, I put three days in a row, like sick. I'm going to really try and push it a little bit harder. And by the way, you know me, like I'm a savage when it comes to training, practicing, playing, working out, like I'm talking right now, like ride the bike at like a zero heart rate. I was basically dead and my feet were barely moving or I was bench pressing the bar, the bar. (laughs) Yeah. Just trying to like do eight reps, super slow, not moving my neck at all, focusing on my breath, not moving my eyes at all because I had vestibular issues. Uh, It was wild, but like, slow progress was better than no progress. And that's what I kept telling myself, like any progress. And I still remember, you know, it was probably three months later, March, probably March. It's getting close to playoff time. And I, I'd worked myself up enough to where they said I could go skate around on the ice by myself. And I'll never forget. I waited till everybody left. I didn't want anybody to see me on the ice, uh, for practice. And, uh, I couldn't remember how to put my gear on what order I was like, dude, wait, (laughs) How did I used to do this? Like, does my cup go on first or like, what do I wait? Socks first. I literally could not remember. It had been that longest time in my life, obviously nine months, whatever. since the last time I put my gear on and it was just, I was just, I kind of laughed about that, but yeah, it was, it was, it was wild, man. That's crazy, dude. Like, Oh God, I'm sure there's people. So if you had like advice for kids, you know, coming up because concussion protocols and all that kind of stuff are, are very readily available today. And there's a lot more education on it. Um, and, and, and because probably of, of what I saw you go through, I'm much more conservative. Like when kids come back to the bench and they say, I have a headache or whatever, I'm like, you're done. That's it. You know, stop. Um, what would you recommend for kids with that stuff? I mean, I, what, I used to think it was soft. Like I would play through elbows, fingers, knees, what I played through everything, but your brain, like you you can't replace that. You can't get, you can get a titanium hip. You can get, you know, grandpa's got knee replacements. Okay. You can't replace your brain. You literally can't. And I know how bad it was living with, you know, a bad traumatic brain injury. And it was, literally I could do nothing it was awful I was depressed every night having nightmares like it was awful it is not worth it if a kid comes back to the bench saying their head head is hurting and you know like you saw him get hit in the head what is the risk versus reward to them playing 
or sitting him out the rest of the game and seeing how the next few days are setting him to a, setting him to a specialist. Like for me, there is no reward great enough to put a child in that position. There's no reward, zero. And that's why it was very hard for me to coach midgets my first two years being done because the amount of head hits I saw, I it literally, and then, you know, I can't let the kids, it was just, it was very hard. So the only game I ever got kicked out of was in Chicago. Of course it was when grandma and grandpa came because one of my kids got blasted in the head right in front of me. And I absolutely lost my mind. I lost my mind. I got kicked out of the game, but the ref called a head hit on the other team one minute after I got kicked out. So, you know, maybe it did something, but still not, not a good thing, but you're not, you're not being overly dramatic. It's better to err on the side of caution with head injuries. Everyone should know that because it's not the first one. That's the first one's dangerous, but it's second impact syndrome, or maybe say that kid got a concussion. He's not feeling great. He goes out there and he gets another one. That's where it's super, super dangerous. And again, they're children. It's not worth it. You only get one brain. It's not like, Ooh, my shoulder hurts. Okay. You can keep playing through that. Ooh, my foot hurts. I blocked a shot. All right. Keep playing. It's your brain. Like do not, do not roll the dice with your brain. Hey, what if my fingers hurt? <laughs> well, Tove, uh, now your back's going to hurt because you just pulled landscaping. Oh. Check out the name tag, Topher. You're <laughs> in my world now. Can I, can I trouble you for a glass of warm milk, sir? <laughs> <laughs> you can trouble me for a warm glass. Shut the hell up. <laughs> um, but one more point to that, because this is Nash. Stop eating bruiser's food. Sorry, listeners. Um, another point to that. Don't go and see an MD. Don't go see your family doctor dealing with concussions. If your child or player, uh, someone you know has a concussion, they are not, they, they're not, they don't know what they're doing. They have no idea. Go see specifically a concussion specialist, not even a neurologist. I was seeing the mass general neurologist the Bruins were sending me to and nothing was going, not once, two, three, one, two, three times a week nothing happened. I go and see a concussion specialist, bam, right away, right away. They know what's going on immediately. Like I can't stress this enough. Go and see a concussion specialist. That's a good point, man. That's a, that's a good point. That was a, that was a tough one for you. I know, I know that was in, in more ways than one. So, um, but we go through it. It happens. It's part of it. I had to play nine more years after that first year that I had to miss. I'm grateful for it. Um, got to see a lot of cool places. Got to at least play five games, you know, preseason NHL and scored a couple goals, assist, fight, hit a guy through a glass. Not a big deal. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, and maybe I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now, which is probably, you know, my calling or probably what what I'm best at is helping people find their passion and training to be better at hockey life, whatever. So, um, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't believe everything happens for a reason, but I made a good, I made good out of, you know, the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life. (laughs) So, uh, I'm at least proud of that. And, and hopefully, you know, my journey and what I'm doing now will help more people than I could have helped if I would have just played in the NHL for a couple of years. Yeah. Well, I guarantee it's going to help at least one. (laughs) There's going to be somebody listening that, um, is either going through it right now or will remember or have gone through it. And, uh, it's, it's unfortunately a, a part of playing hockey. It's a fast sport. It's a physical sport. It's a rough sport. Um, and concussions. Yeah. Take, take care of your head. 
take care of your brain coaches, take care of your kids' heads and your kids' brains, parents, same thing. It's uh, you only get one and, and it's a fragile thing. So, um, man, that's crazy. Uh, so the last one that, uh, that I, I want to talk about here, and this is one that I feel like a lot of players, um, feel, but not, they don't necessarily talk about it much. And that's transition outside of hockey. I feel like that's a huge source of anxiety, depression. It's a huge source of, you know, not feeling your self-worth, losing your identity for a lot of people that end up, um, you know, retiring for the game or getting out of the game and, and just feeling like you don't have a purpose anymore. And, and that's a tough one. And so I wanted to bring it up because for me, probably the most, um, adversity from like a mental health standpoint, I would say is when I left coaching in college. And I think, you know, when I left playing my last, uh, playing year in the CHL, I had a plan B. And so I knew I was going to Miami to be a grad assistant and, and coach with that staff. And that next year I was so busy doing my master's program and coaching with the team. It was almost like two full-time jobs that I didn't really have, um, I didn't really have like a moment to think and, and miss playing if that makes any sense. And, and I was still around the game. I was still uh, in a locker room every day. It was, it was different, but we had a great culture. I was working with great people at Miami at the time. Uh, Our team was really successful that year. And, and so I didn't really have that opportunity to, to really kind of think about that, that transition. And then the next year I got right into coaching at Cornell and lifelong dream to coach at a division one place. And it was my alma mater, the place that I gave my heart and soul to for. And now I was going back to, to help contribute back again. And, and uh, you know, I was, I was on cloud nine. And then as you get into that lifestyle, you, you understand a little bit more what that lifestyle is. And as you get a little bit older and, and, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm a kid who my parents were at every single one of my hockey games and my grandparents were at every single one of my hockey games and all of my family lives within 10 minutes of each other. And that's the way that I grew up and I had a great upbringing. And, and that was something that as you figure out what that lifestyle is, you kind of understand that that might not be the lifestyle that your kids are going to have because you're going to be away so much. And so M and I were starting to think about, you know, adding to our family and and having kids and things like that. And, and it was a grind and, and I love the grind. It was amazing. There were times where you can get burnt out. I think any college coach would tell you that (laughs) being away so long is, is not the easiest thing in the world, especially when you have a family and especially when you have kids. Um, but even if you don't. And so when I made the decision to, to step away, I didn't have that plan B. Um, I didn't have that thing that I can go to that was going to occupy my time that I was excited about. And so that's the advice that I give to everybody that's transitioning out of whatever they're transitioning to, whether it's playing to whatever, whether it's coaching to whatever is really start to think about and put a plan together for what that transition is going to look like. Because if you can start to think about what your next purpose is going to be, you're going to be so far ahead of if you stop and then you're like, okay, what now? And that's where I was, what was it? Five years ago now, And, um, you know, some good came out of it for sure. I mean, we wouldn't be here with the hockey think tank podcast or any of the hockey think tank if, if I didn't do that, but there were some dark days when I was trying to figure out, um, 
what I wanted to do with my life. I toyed around of, you know, I have this Cornell degree. Do I go and try and use that to, to make some money and get a really good job and all of that kind of stuff? But as I thought about it, I didn't really want to do that. All I really loved and all I really wanted to do ever was, was play hockey or coach hockey. And then, you know, you get to a spot where M and I did have uh, a daughter and then you start to realize <laughs> this picture that you had of what parenting is, is not what parenting actually is. <laughs> you kind of hear about parenting, oh, it's the best thing ever. And, and you know, you go around and, and especially for us being young and, and not having a ton of people that really had kids. And so you didn't really know what it was about. You kind of see this fantasy of what having kids is. And then the reality of it is, is, is freaking hard. <laughs> it's really, really hard. And between, um, you know, just your life kind of revolves around keeping this little human alive. So you're not able to do just pick up and leave and do whatever you want to do. So you're not doing that um, to, as the kids get a little bit older and they start being a little lippy and <laughs> you wanted to, to produce a, a great human being that can be, that can be tough as well. And so I think that transition into, into parenting was, was pretty difficult too, but like, I, I think, as you kind of go through all of these transitions, um, it's not easy. And I think the, um, what's the word? I think the acknowledgement that it's not easy and that you're going to have to go through some shit uh, to, to get out to the other side. And you're going to have to put, just like we did when we were playing, there are going to be tough things that are going to happen and you have to have the mindset of I'm going to get through it. And you have to have the mindset of trying to be optimistic and positive about it as hard as it can be during those transition. And when things change in your life, whether it's little changes or, or big changes, like I'm talking about right now, um, that, that transition is, uh, is not an easy thing to do. And so I don't know how you felt. I mean, you kind of had your thing and you were going right into, into your business because you had that plan B you had already started doing your ripped hockey before you had stopped playing. Um, but I just encourage like everybody out there that might be going through that transition. Number one, you know, invest before you know, you're going to be done into figuring out maybe what that next passion is. And then I think the second thing is that, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Don't be able to tell people what you're actually feeling and, and, even if they're not great thoughts. And I think the more you suppress and the more you try to show people or tell people that you're okay, even if you're not okay, you know, that's, that's tough. And, and I think masculinity, the way that we grew up was one where you just, you internalized everything and you wanted to show no fear. You wanted to show no pain. And, and that's, that was toughness. I, I don't think that's toughness anymore. I, I think that's weakness. I think the tough people are the ones that put themselves out there to be vulnerable to ask for help when, when you need it. And, and I've done that. I've been open about that on the podcast as I was going through transitions and things like that. I, I just, I needed some help to reframe the way that I was thinking about what was going on in my life. And, and uh, you know, ultimately still working through some things, but like that, those tough times that I had been going through, going through whatever, um, those at the end of the day, like are going to help me be a better person are going to help me affect change with other people by sharing these kinds of things. And again, like I wouldn't change the bad times for anything as tough as they are to go through. They're a part of the process 
And, uh, and, and when you can acknowledge that and know you're going through it and, and, and reach out to people when, when you need to reach out to people, if you need some help, I, I think that that's, uh, that's really helped me through a lot of stuff. I know that's really helped a lot of other people through some stuff. And I would really encourage people to, to do that. Yeah, man, that's, it's hard when your career ends. There's no doubt about it. I'm sure whatever your career is, but specifically hockey, I think because like the locker room aspect and the brotherhood. That's the toughest part, man. It's the toughest part for sure. And, and going back to coaching, you develop a bit of a brotherhood with your own coaching staff. You develop a bit of a brotherhood with, uh, you know, the, the college coaches that you're on the road with and the NHL scouts that you're on the road with and sitting in rinks and you develop these pretty deep friendships with a, a lot of different people. And when all of a sudden you're not seeing those people and even though you might be calling them or even like you're not in it on a day-to-day basis and, and the relationship part to it is, is a hundred percent the hardest part of the transition there's no no question about it that and i think i was thinking about this the other day too correct me if i'm wrong if you feel this way as well but like i i was getting out of bed the other day and i was like oh like my hips (laughs) i'm feeling it and there's like a weird part of me that um misses that just you you know you're going all in on your dreams and you're getting hurt and like there's a I don't know if it's the same for you like there's a weird part of me that misses the grind and and just the the mental and physical warfare of like putting yourself all in on doing something too I definitely miss the the grind but uh I work out every day with the specific purpose that my body (laughs) is a weapon and to resist injury and to feel good I change the way I train like 10 years ago, which is my philosophy on training everyone. So no, my body does not feel like that, Tove. But harness totally energy block, block bad. bad. But yes, I totally know what you're saying. And yes, uh, my pro group skates before they work out right now, and they'll come in after a hard skate. And they're just like, you know, you know, like after you skate, your back's kind of sore because you bend over a stick. It doesn't make sense for posture, whatever. And I'm just like, man, yeah, I miss being that tired. I miss being, you know, like, <laughs> I miss the battle. I miss chirping the boys after a two-on-two, you know, cross-ice game, who won, who lost. And I think that that's what guys miss the most when they stop playing is that, you know, being a part of something that's so much bigger than yourself that every day you're, it's a goal and you see it, whether it's a championship at the end of the year, or you're trying to advance your career or you're trying to do this or do that. But like, you know, uh, that's why I think that you have to find an outlet that gives you some of those same things. Yeah. And, uh, whether it's joining a gym where you're going to a class, which I I don't like the classes for that aspect or you go, like, I know a lot of guys, uh, Steve silver, one of my good buddies, like he started doing like MMA stuff. He went, he went and did jujitsu for a year. He did Krav Maga for a year. He did kickboxing for a year. And he said that he kind of got that camaraderie in the gym with the same people going, you know, every Tuesday, Thursday night or whatever. Because he was missing that, you know, and I've talked to other guys where that's the biggest thing they're missing um, is it, they feel empty a little bit because they don't have that thing that they go and do and they expend all their energy and they're doing it with everyone together and everyone's got the same goal. Um, and I think that is very, very, very hard for guys who've had or girls who've had that their whole life and then it just stops. Um, and one another thing that I've noticed uh, is that most guys especially higher level guys stop being physically active the way they used to be, which then literally leads to depression. Like you go from 
super high activity level, which releases all these positive chemicals in your brain, keeps your body healthy, burns a lot of calories, yada, 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 sleep better. And then you do nothing because you're like, oh, I'm retired now. I don't have to do this anymore. And your body is just like, whoa, you used to feed me all this gas and now I'm getting none of it. And then that leads to a cycle of depression. And I can't tell you how many guys reach out to me now in the last year and a half or whatever that they know that I have my online training and, and I send it to them to help them with that. And they're like, I feel so much better about myself. I feel so much happier. Um, so I think another thing that is very important for guys and girls stopping playing is continuing to vigorously exercise. I think that would help big time. Yeah. You got to take care of your physical and your mental health, right? Physical yeah. health, just like what you're talking about. And I think mental health, I mean, we are a species that is wired to connect with each other. And yeah. if you don't have that and, 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 and I'm not talking, so for the kids that are listening, I'm not talking about liking your freaking friends, Instagram posts. That's not connecting with people. <laughs> I'm talking about real face to face, hanging out with each other connection, which is something that is getting lost nowadays with technology and, and phones and, and all of that. And studies show that human interaction face-to-face is real connection and the other stuff is, is not, <laughs> I mean, FaceTime for kind of, and phone kind of, but like all the other stuff the kids are doing, like it, it really isn't. And, you know, for your physical and mental health, I mean, work out exercise and make sure you are a part of something bigger than you that you enjoy, you know, like, whether it's a group of people, whether it's an activity, if, if you're hitting the mother load, if you get both in the same thing, um, that connection is real. That connection is a huge part to your mental and I would even say physical health. And so find the time to make sure that you're connecting. It's, it's huge, man. And just like what you're talking about, that's what we all miss about the game. We miss the brotherhood. We miss the, if you're a girl, you miss the sisterhood. You, you miss being in the locker room. You miss being, you know, uh, out partying with the guys you miss. Like there's everything about being a part of a team is what makes you whole. And, and when you, when you don't have that, it's tough. So if you can try and find it, that's huge. I tell a lot of guys who, message me about, Hey, like my career's ending. How did you transition? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I know you might not want to like do hockey, like your first year, but also me being an assistant coach really helped me. Um, cause it was, it was def even though I knew that, you know, I was getting towards the end of my career, I was still getting offers of really good money to keep playing, but it just made more sense for my brain health, uh, and, and my business moving forward, obviously I wasn't going to play hockey forever, but I needed to do something after hockey and it was successful. So it made sense to transition a little, a few years early retire. Um, it, it helped me immensely to be a part of a team, uh, again, right away, immediately. Um, I think that it's a huge commitment. If you're going to go right into assistant coaching or coaching a triple A team, maybe you don't want to jump that far in, which is what I did. And I did not realize how big of a <laughs> massive commitment that was. Um, yeah. Um, maybe like a volunteer assistant where it's kind of like show up when you really want to go. Um, but you will get sucked in because you'll love coaching the kids. You'll love teaching them new things and seeing them execute and seeing them get better. And like I said, you're a part of a team again, you're in the locker room, you know, jokes are flying, you're back into your playing days. Um, but I, I tell everybody that, that messages me and asks, I'm like, be, if you can do some kind of volunteer coaching, like try and do that once a week, even you will feel good. You'll feel better. You'll feel a part of something um, that you're inevitably going to miss no matter what job you take after. hundred percent. 
Absolutely. A lot of guys do that too. A lot of girls do that too. And, uh, yeah, you get the bug. Some people hate it. <laughs> there are some that are like, no, nah, this ain't for me. Um, but a lot of people that get into coaching, especially at the youth levels, you see the effect that you can have on, on the younger kids. And they, they ask you questions that you can go on and on and on about. And it might not even necessarily be a hockey question per se, but something that they might be going through that you've been through and can help them through it. And then when you see that positive impact, like that's the mother load. You talk about connection. That's, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet for sure. All right. So we've been, we've been talking a lot, kind of bared it all here uh, with some of the tough stuff that happened with us. The, the, what I want to end on though, and maybe I'll go first. We talked a little bit about it before we got on here today, but I think for each of us to, to kind of give three things that we think are important in battling adversity and, and getting through some of the tough times. And the first thing that I had, and we've talked about it throughout this hour that we've been doing this is you're nothing without your support system. You cannot get through things alone. You cannot, you would be the most mentally tough person ever in the world. And, and, but still you need other people to help you through it and keep you, keep you grounded and give you perspective and, you know, hug you when you need to get hugged and push you when you need to get pushed. Um, and because you're going to need both at times when you're going through, through some tough stuff. So make sure you're surrounding yourself with, with good people that are going to help you and, and care for you and you alone when you're going through that stuff. It's not about them. <laughs> it's about you and, and helping you get through. So make sure you surround yourself with, with good people. The set, the second thing is like, how are you talking to yourself? Positive self-talk. I think that is a huge, huge, huge thing as you're going through some of the tough times, whether it's a, a short, tough time or a longer, tough time. I think the better you treat yourself and the more you're understanding and, and aware of how you're talking to yourself, uh, I think that's huge. And one of the shows I've referenced before, and I tweet about it all the time. It's my favorite show ever is Ted Lasso. And uh, I know you watched it too. And he talks about being a goldfish, right? Goldfish have the shortest memories <laughs> in, in the world. And what's the other saying? It's such a cliche, but you know, the, the rear view mirror is really small and, and the window in front of you as you're driving is really, really big. So have you never heard that? Judging by your face, you haven't heard that. I'm surprised. That's a pretty never. big cliche. Never heard that before. I like it though. Yeah. So it's just a metaphor for you look ahead. There's a lot more bigger things ahead than, than what's behind you. Right. Um, so I, and I do think that having a sense of optimism is, is huge and being optimistic and, and f understanding that there will be a light of, at the end of the tunnel. I think that can really help you get through it. So how are you talking to yourself? How are you treating yourself as you're going through it? Don't beat yourself up so many kids, everybody likes to say kids are soft nowadays. I, I don't think so. I think kids are, they just feel pressure <laughs> and, and they beat themselves up so much um, because they're feeling pressure and stuff. And, and I think that's the biggest issue with kids coming up. And, and I think it's going to be a huge issue, the kids' mental health, because of all the pressure that they're being put under. And so the more that we teach them to treat themselves right and talk positively to themselves, I think that's, that's really good. And then the last thing I think, um, I, I would say for anybody that's going through tough times and we've talked about it a little bit, but I wanted to hit home is I think we all need to understand that tough times are a part of the process and every situation that you go through is never perfect. And there's always going to be setbacks, whether it's in sports, whether it's in life, there are so many things out of our control. I think when we have an acknowledgement and an understanding that the bad times are set 
ups, not setbacks, like you, like you like to say, and that they're a part of the process for our growth and development and, and not just part of the process. They're a really important part of the process for growth and development. I think that that is, uh, that's such a valuable lesson to learn. And, and even as coaches or parents, I think understanding and allowing our kids to figure it out and go through some of the tough times, supporting them, but don't not you know, being a snowplow parent and, and making sure they're not going through, um, this adversity by the stuff that you do. I, I just think it's such a, such an important part to, to becoming a man or a woman in sports outside of sports is, is understanding that it's a part of it and you're going to go through it. And eventually there's, there's ways to, to get through it. I like all those. I like all those really, really good. I, I would say that my my first one is very similar to yours. You, you said have a good support system. I would say on top of that, like kind of along the same avenue, try to find someone that's gone through what you're going through because you gain wisdom through experience yeah. and, you know, bad experiences. You gain wisdom on how to get yourself out of that bad experience, you know, like that's, that's powerful. Um, so reaching out, finding somebody who knows somebody who's been through what you're going through or similar or making parallels from somebody else's, you know, hard times to what you're going through will kind of show you a light of how to get yourself out of it. Uh, so that would be my first one. My second one would be when you're going through tough times, focus on winning the day. Like try not to look 10 steps ahead or am I going to get, am I going to get to 10 steps? Like when I had my concussion, like I wasn't even thinking about playing again after like month six, I was like, fuck, I just want to be able to do a push up again without puking. I just want to be able to sleep through the night without having this stupid dream, you know, like win the day. All right, Jeff, like you, you just get a little bit better, ride the bike for two minutes. Okay. Next day, let's ride the bike for two fifteen. All right, let's do this. Let's do two push ups in a row without getting dizzy. You know, like just win the day, win your next step. Try not to think six steps ahead. Think one step ahead. Once you conquer that, move to the next step. You conquer that, move to the next step. Um, and that makes your plight, what you're going through seem a lot smaller and a That's lot easier. Great advice, man. Yeah. A, a lot easier to get through when you just try and win the day. Um, the third one would have to be, um, it's never as bad as it seems. Like we talk about perspective all the time. Um, you know, like there's always somebody who's gone through something worse and got out of it. There's always going to be somebody who's in a much worse off situation than you. I remember I read somebody's story on Instagram today. I think it was Matt Nickel, who's been on our podcast, who I love his Instagram. If you guys haven't listened to that podcast, it's a famous NHL, NFL, CFL trainer, probably like three, four months ago. I would listen to that one. He's a great coach, a great guy. Um, he's a great Instagram follow. I love everything he talks about on there. And I think it was him and it said something like, like if you're having a bad day, like think about these things. You woke up today. That's a win. You you were you had access to clean drinking water and you could hydrate yourself. That's a win. You've had at least one meal today. That's a win. You're already like so far ahead of millions of people on this planet. So like no matter how bad things are, they literally could be way 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 worse. And I remember <laughs> I used to. I used to say this to my guys all the time because I said it to myself all the time in junior hockey when uh, my coach was being a D-bag to me or we'd be bagging nonstop and guys are puking left or right. I'd constantly say to myself, I could be in Iraq or Afghanistan 
or wherever getting shot at. You know, I was 18 years old and I was like, I could be getting shot at right now. I could be in the Middle East in 120 degree heat, sweating my nuts off, sand all over me, getting shot at. Like I can get through this bag skate. I can get through this, whatever I can do this blank because I don't have to do that. I just have to do this. And that perspective and that specific one where you're not getting shot at, you're fine. Like, let's go. You can do this. That one has always helped me. Anyone who's going through anything tough where it's a little bit more, you know, mental than physical. I constantly bring that up to them. And and it usually bringing that perspective brings me back around to my task at hand, which then brings me back to, win the day, win the next step, win the next step. Instead of looking at that football field, I look at, you know, one yard, just get one yard on this play. Um, and those three things I, I think have really helped me. Unreal, man. That's such good advice. Such good advice. I, I love the perspective piece to it. I feel like we talk about that all the time too. Perspective is the most powerful tool we have, isn't it? I, I truly believe that. I truly truly, truly believe that you can, you can use it for so much good in your life, in your hockey career, in your business, in your this, in your that, you know, it's, uh, it's very powerful. For sure, man. Well, hopefully we gave everybody listening some perspective here today. And, uh, I know for me, it's almost therapeutic talking about some of this stuff, um, and, and knowing or hoping that it's going to resonate at least maybe one of our stories resonates with somebody that's, that's listening. And uh, yeah, I, I hope everybody enjoyed this, this episode. I know it was a little bit, a little bit different here this week, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, think we're going to do some good here. Vex, what do you think? I hope so, my man, hopefully this stuff helped. And if anybody has any questions or is going through a tough time, I'm sure, I'm sure it goes for without saying for Tof and myself, uh, Tof uh, or myself, shoot us an email. Uh, for me, probably easiest way to get a hold of me is a DM on Instagram. Um, Insert joke up? here. <laughs> Mr. Blue Checkmark. Uh, what up? <laughs> no, but like that's the easiest way. People from the sh- from that listen to the show reach out to me all the time, and I do my best to answer every single DM. So if you're going through a hard time or your kid is, and there's any way that, that I can help, uh, please shoot me a message, and I know the same goes for Tofer. For sure. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to reach out to us. And and I think some of the most rewarding emails and stuff that, that I've gotten, and, I'm, and I know you too, is when people kind of share with us some of the tough stuff, uh, whether it's a parent and they don't know what to do with their kid, uh, or even if it's a kid that's reaching out to us uh, about something that they just need some advice on or they need some help. So yeah, feel free as always to reach out to us. We're here, we're here for you. We're here to help in any way that we can. Hopefully we gave you guys some perspective here today and uh, we hope you guys have a great week. Take care, everybody.